Okay, so. <clears throat> I talked about what it felt like when I woke up in the vision that I had. Um, I went to sleep. I didn't have another vision this time. But I did wake up feeling, you know, pretty much the same way. Like, I need it. I need to be doing more. But throughout the day, what I felt was... Um, I was tearing down I was tearing down buildings I was tearing down different things that were trying to be built rebuilt in wickedness so I'm reminded of Mexico when I was in Mexico and it was brought up recently again about Mexico but I was thinking that they were bringing up Mexico because I was gonna stay I'm back here and I don't want to be here and it was like I thought Mexico was being brought up because <clears throat> I thought Mexico was being brought up because like it was said that a promise was made to me if I came back that you know they wouldn't run me off again or different things like that I'm not sure what the promise really was I never really was sure but it seemed like that you know when I got back from Mexico, I started hearing different things. I started hearing, like, the crowd singing gospel with me and stuff. And different things like that. But, um, that's what I thought Mexico was brought up for. But, I, you know, I suspected that it may have been brought up for different reasons, other reasons. Anytime I catch any part of the conversation, I never really want me to know what the conversation was about until all after the fact. So that I guess they can... Excuse me, continue to continue on with their plans. Um, but you know, uh in Mexico <clears throat> I was told that I was tearing everything down. All the wickedness, all the wicked things that were built, I was tearing it all down. Like it was all coming down as they were telling me. And I knew that the Lord had been telling me that for a while, you know. He had been saying that um, I'm, we're rebuilding. It's a, you know, um, the Lord is rebuilding through me. I'm being used as a vessel. We're tearing down a lot of different things and we're re rebuilding these things in God's name. You know, these things were built wickedly. They were built <laughs> by... A false sense of satanic power and they all have to come down so you know throughout this process I had heard different things like I had heard you know I had seen different things I had seen you know different family members building different things and they were like a bunch of different like a million different small hits on something to build something up but then when I would start working it was like big hits like I don't know if you know I'm going to reference John Henry. He built, he was the, the the strong man who died building a railroad. And he would just, it would just be big, strong, winded hits. That's what it felt like when I go down, you know, building or tearing down. It's like big, strong, winded hits. And I know that it's not by my power, but by God's power. 
it has to be by God's power and by God's power alone because these hits are enormous. They're they're gargantuous. Like they're huge. Like it's just big hits when it's coming down and when it's being built up. Now when it's coming down, it it seems like it take like one, maybe two hits to come down completely. Maybe even three. But when it's being built up, it's like it's a few more hits, but they're like really big hits and it's being built up good. So concerning this, the reference that I have for this is Mac Praise. He had a <clears throat> he had a, a video on YouTube, a prophetic word from the Lord about um, Marcus Rogers. He had a vision that Marcus Rogers was in Chicago and he was in all white and he was just building Chicago. He was just really working on this building. He was just going to work on this building. He was building up Chicago. And so the Lord had introduced me to Marcus Rogers in this process. You know, it seems he's truly favored. Like the Lord truly loves him. I know that he does because he has allowed Marcus Rogers to show me different things and be a part of different things that he will never let anybody else tell me or show me. He wants me to figure out on my own. But when Marcus Rogers, you know, is in, you know, involved in the situation, he will allow Marcus Rogers to tell me different things and show me different things. He truly loves Marcus Rogers. Like, that is his heart. But, um, <clears throat> excuse me. I do, I do truly believe that I'm favored as well. Of course, you know, he has me working on, you know, different things that I, I can, I can truly see that I'm favored for him to have me a part of these things. Like, you know, it doesn't matter, but, you know, things concerning celebrities, I can see that he favors me to have me a part of these things because when you are not in this lifestyle every day, you are not a part of this lifestyle, you're not necessarily a celebrity or famous, you know, you can be seduced by this lifestyle and, you know, the Lord has to trust you, you know, trust the power that he's placing you for you not to, you know, be seduced away from him. Or to lose sight of who he is and everything he's done for you. And it truly shows favor because it's not that you're not human and these things won't get to you or start to affect you. It's that he is keeping you. He is truly keeping you. He favors you. He loves you to keep you, you know, in these situations. So I love him so much for it. But um, concerning building up Houston and tearing down the wickedness like it gets difficult because it is sometimes a repetitive process can sometimes be very tedious and repetitive where if I take my eyes off of it for one second there are all kinds of spirits and different things surrounding that are running to tear down the good and build up the bad they're always running around building up the bad and it kind of reminds me of like that cycle where it's like, you know, like um, if you ever saw the comics of Black Spy and White Spy, you know, like they're always running behind each other, killing each other, you know, it seems like it evens itself out, but you never really know. It just depends. And that's what it feels like, you know, just constantly running behind this wickedness to tear down what they, you know, are trying to build And, you know, trying to stay ahead, which, of course, the Lord keeps me, you know, miles ahead. But, you know, still it's a process and it sometimes can be exhausting. So I'm trying to learn 
in this process, you know, easier ways, <clears throat> more sufficient ways of doing these things where I'm not exhausting myself running behind this wickedness because it cannot be left alone unattended for too long, but also at the same time running behind it all the time gets them used to believing that you will always be running behind them and you want to break the cycle. So, you know, you want to stop them from building up wicked things at all and then finish, you know, building the good. So it's just a lot of work, but, you know, I know that the Lord is doing all the work, so I, I, I try not to complain, but <clears throat> concerning these things earlier today, I heard myself building things up really quickly. I would just tear down the wickedness, like washing it all the way, the rubble, everything, just blowing it all away. And building up the good. And it just reminds me of when Matt Cray said that he saw Marcus Rogers building up Chicago. Which I know that's what the Lord has him doing. Because he has me doing this here. And it just brought different things into perspective. Like what he's using us to do in these last days. Because I still do believe these are the last days. So a question would be, so why do you have to build these things up? If of course we are living in the last days. Well because so that. As many people can be brought to repentance as possible. And I'm seeing, you know, the Lord is speaking to different, you know, um, servants, servants of the Lord about the revival here in Houston. And the post said Texas, but the Lord told me Houston. But to be quite honest, I have wondered for a while. If it's more than just Houston, it feels like it's more than just Houston. Houston, I think I looked it up, has a population of a little bit over a million, but this feels like millions. Like it feels like more than just Houston. And then months ago, there was, you know, a situation where a lot of people were moving to Texas out of nowhere, like from California, different places surrounding, maybe even Nevada, different things like that. And <clears throat> the Lord had given me a word on this months ago. He said that um, a lot of people are moving to Houston in order to, you know, be in the presence of the Lord, the presence, you know, to be, to dwell underneath this open heaven that I have. I'm using you, you know, in the process of this. So, you know, what it also did bring into perspective, because she said it, and I knew that that was, you know, accurate. But what it also brought into perspective was that, you know, um, It brought into perspective how he's getting me a lot of help. He's getting me a lot of help. Every time I say, Lord, I need help, you know, I need more help, you know, it seems as if I am, you know, up against so much evil. And I know that I have you. I would never need anything or anyone else, but it will be so helpful just to have more people who are on board with this, who are on board with you, who are fighting in the spirit for you. Like, I just want to see that they support you because sometimes it can be discouraging believing that they are all, you know, against God, you know. But I know that they aren't. Sometimes, you know, you just need that extra push of encouragement. I know that it benefited me when I came back from Mexico and I heard them singing gospel with me. It definitely encouraged me and motivated me to keep going and keep fighting and to take this seriously, to not give up and not quit. Because when I left Mexico, I was wanting to quit. I was wanting to give up. You know, I didn't 
I didn't want to continue on this process. When I was in Mexico, I kept hearing all kinds of different things. Like, um, for example, I kept hearing, you know, different things about marriage and, you know, being in love and different things like that. And, you know, I know that I'm in love with the Lord. I'm in love with Jesus. I truly am. And I fight every day for that relationship because, you know, he is my everything. He's shown me that he's all that I have when it comes down to it. You know, yes, he's introduced someone in this situation. And sometimes I wonder how genuine that is. You know, not that I should ever have to doubt a word from God. It's just sometimes I question the situation or the circumstance, not God. So, you know, I was just wondering about it, but... I heard wedding bells. I heard wedding bells in Mexico, but I didn't necessarily want to feed into it. I felt that, you know, I couldn't really believe that because different things were going on. And who really is it? Because, you know, it was just so many different situations surrounding this. Even recently, I heard that there is like a situation where you know someone else is pregnant and it would be this individual's 10th child and I just remember you know this individual saying that they are only having 10 or stopping at 10 and I always told the Lord I wanted to have five kids like I wanted to have as many kids I can have like 20 or 30 of them if possible but you know considering the basics of the situation I've always been you know I've always been, I've always loved children. I've always loved children. I take care of other people's children, you know, without a, you know, without a problem, without complaint. No one ever had to pay me to babysit their kids or anything like that. And I love kids and I just want to protect them and different things like that. So, you know, considering the basics of the situation, if of course that was the case, I would see how, you know, I would be fitting, I would fit, you know, because <clears throat> I would accept all 10 of their children, I really would, and, and I would treat them and raise them like they were my own, you know, anytime they were around me, I would love them like they are my own children, you know, I wouldn't treat them funny because I lived seven years of my life being treated differently by my stepmother, I thought she was extremely wicked, and I said to myself, I would never be that kind of stepmother if I ever found myself in a position of being a stepmother. Not that that was my necessarily my plan in life. But if I ever found myself in a position like that, I would never treat anyone's children differently than my own. I would never I would treat them all just like my own children. I would consider their feelings, like how they feel about a stepmother at all, and then I would do everything I could to, you know, make them feel comfortable and loved because I never appreciated how it was felt it was so weird like you know it was just weird looks when I wanted to be around my dad and it was like a lot of times she would give their her kids rides to school but she would she would make us we would have to walk but we were going to the same exact school coming from the same exact address she would feed only her kids and then not get us anything to eat. It was just, you know, 
a lot of times she would just only be considered for her own children. Christmases, she would only get her kids, you know, and use my dad's money to only get her kids Christmas gifts, but we'd be left out of it. It was weird. And I just said I would never do that. I would never, you know, go out of my way to make someone else's children feel unwelcome, you know, because that's just something you have to consider when you're with somebody who has children. And then also, you know, taking into consideration that, you know, that's children want to be involved in things like that conversations about who you're with. You know, I think that is selfish, you know, of men, but women too, to, you know, date someone or be with somebody or decide to, you know, create a bond under God, like marriage and not consider the kids and how they feel about that individual, whether they like that person or not. Now, I'm not saying that people should have to stop their lives for their kids, but you should definitely consider that it's their lives too. And I'm the type of person or the type of parent I would live for my kids first. So, I mean, well, yeah, you got to live for you, but you got to live for your kids because it's your life now. It's not just your life. So, you know, I just always feel like that was part of being a good parent. So I will understand that part, of course, you know. It makes so much sense. A lot of these things just make so much sense. It's like common sense. It's just laid out. But underneath all of that is so complicated sometimes. It can be so complicated and difficult. And details surrounding these different things like me being raped and demons. You know, I'm a demon hunter. And like the demons surrounding the situation. Me not feeling like, you know, honestly... Like, it may be a safe environment for me or for anyone else right now. You know, wanting to be everything that the Lord has called me to be before I ever move forward with anything else. Because the unfinished business is, of course, Satan's attack on my destiny. But um, also, like, previous relationships, you know, which is seemingly playing such a big part in a situation, soul ties. Um... It seems like nobody likes me. I will say that. I mean, maybe they like me, but they would never like the idea of me in a situation forever. And then the different things surrounding it, like with this individual possibly being a whoremonger. And I'm not saying that they are because the, the Lord has spoken over them, but I don't know, like, there are situations where it feels that my sister is even involved. I can't be a sister wife with my sister. Like, I can't deal with that. Like, I don't know, but just the maturity that is possibly required in a situation where it feels like, you know, maybe the Lord is, you know, showing me, you know, I've asked him, I've prayed for a lot of different things in my life and this is clearly the preparation for those things. He's maturing me in the process of everything and showing me, you know, what it really takes to maintain the things that he will provide because he's promised me these things. But I have to become the kind of person that can maintain these things. And I understand that because I've always said I only want to be married once. God willing. Nothing happens to my spouse where they are killed or anything of that nature, where they die and I'm a widower. 
but that would be better than just getting divorced and they still live because I know that that's a sin. But re- regardless of the sin part, I've always just only wanted to be married once. You know, I always wanted to never be divorced because I just wanted to be real love, the kind of love that you just don't want to let go. Like you are literally tied to that person from start to finish and y'all figure things out, y'all work things out, y'all make it work. And it doesn't even seem that heart kind of just works itself out because y'all are just made for each other. But... I don't know, because, you know, the issue concerning these, this situation is that it seems so practical. It seems extremely practical, but, you know, beneath the surface, considering a lot of different things that are, you know, situation that's involved, I feel like practical, practicality isn't enough. Like, God's will, his power, his presence is is strongly needed and it cannot be ignored nor you know neglected or counted out it's going to be needed it cannot be it's not an option it's just not an option he has to be first you know and it has to be a strong connection with him first and foremost above all and everything and that possibly needs to happen you know first but this is a process of maturity and then what goes along with never being divorced is being able to work your problems out, work your issues out, and understanding that if you never want to be divorced, then you have to know how to make it work with someone. You have to be able to accept the good, the bad, the ugly, everything that comes with that situation. You have to be strong enough to never reach for divorce. Like you can't, you can't bail every chance that you get and. Seeing as how divorce is like, I want to say it's super popular, but it's common. I want to say it's common because a lot of times the statistics and the way that the world portrays a lot of marriages and a lot of things going on in life aren't actually accurate, you know, as accurate as real life is, but they can be. And as far as divorce goes, it feels like that happens a lot, you know, and so considering the divorce thing, Considering divorce, you know, I always wanted to, you know, be one of those people who is all for no divorce, no divorce, you know, make it work. But it's like, I don't know, like, you know, you get to realize that sometimes it's nothing that you can do. Sometimes it's no other option, you know. And what does that mean? That means that, you know, you would have to depend on God wholly for a miracle like that, you know, because I, in the last couple of weeks, I've had someone, I've had someone say that to my face. Um, if I wanted a divorce, I would get a divorce. And I was talking to someone like, no, you know, you can be the kind of woman that's, you know, never allowing you guys to get divorced, you know, just working it out and sticking it through the hard times and allowing God to make it work for you. And the guy stood stood right up in my face and said, I would spit in your face and say, B, give me, a, give me a divorce. That's what I would do. And, like, force that individual into getting a divorce with them. 
that brought things into perspective for me because it seems as if this individual may not even be may even be like someone they are influenced by or someone that they take advice from or someone that they even hang out with and I said to myself man you know I'm so glad that the Lord is doing the work in me that he's doing because you know I just don't know you know what I would do in that situation because I think that that Seems like grounds for a divorce by then. Someone spits in your face and say, B, get me a divorce. I don't care what you say. You know, it's abusive and, you know, disrespectful like that. And inconsiderate as that, you know, and, and, and that sure, you know, at that point, it feels like it's nothing you can do. And so I question, I'm ex God. You know, when these situations arise where it's not you, you you went to the you went to the Lord, you prayed over your marriage. You've done everything you possibly can do for that marriage. It's nothing that you can do, it's not you, it's that person. What do you do? What do you do? And the Lord didn't give me a specific answer like verbally. But it feels like he's answering my questions right now. With the situation that I'm in and what I'm going through. And what it feels like he is doing is he is transforming me. He's preparing me so that I am everything that I am meant to be in him first. So when you are complete in God, you know, you would never need someone else to complete you. That's number one. And then number two, you know, that individual, he will be, you know, you have to count and depend on the Lord to have sent someone of course will have been made complete in God as well and I feel like maybe this is the process of working through those things but this individual is very reflective of that it seems as if they do everything they possibly can to run me off or away from them for example you know sleeping around with my sister like right in my face and doing it consistently and constantly in order to torture me abusive um sleeping around multiple women you know, realistically believing that that is something that they can continue on even in a marriage. Um, homosexuality, I believe, too, is playing a part. I'm not sure, but um, all kinds of different things like heinous, wicked acts, evil that make someone believe. Now, how did you? How would you ever feel like marriage would work or could work with someone like that or an individual with that kind of attitude or belief system? Well, as I've said, the Lord is working on me first. You know, obviously there are different things I need to work on inside of myself. I may believe I'm not that bad. I'm not as horrible as that is. I'm not as, you know, difficult as that can be. And I do sometimes feel there is a double standard. As a woman, it feels as if you're not allowed to be that difficult or as difficult as that. You are just so much worse. You know, it's not ever equal. But um, all that aside, there is just so much work that needs to be done inside of myself before I would even want to consider marriage with anyone. And that's just something I need to focus on first, regardless of what's going on around me or what's being introduced. You know, the fact of the matter remains that I have work to do inside of myself. A lot of women would believe that I would be caving by speaking of these things like this. They believe that it's somehow weak. 
for me to want to, you know, abide by the Lord's laws, be obedient to God and be a submissive woman. But, you know, I feel blessed. I feel extremely blessed because there are women out here who are willing to abide by the Lord's laws and be a submissive woman, even to a man who, you know, wouldn't or can't or, well, you always can, but won't. And, you know, intends to behave that way for however long. And it's not necessarily really making the progress or doing the work, you know. And these women are still feeling blessed by God to be married. And they're still being who they are, you know, having to do what they have to do with, having to go through what they have to go through. And the Lord has blessed me to be able to accomplish all that I've ever wanted to do and be, you know, while still, you know, possibly having someone for me. Possibly. That being said, I wanted to say this before, but it slipped my mind. A few times in this situation, I heard the Lord speak over my life. He spoke over my life concerning this marriage thing. This individual was pressuring me, you know, had proposed a few times and was, you know, having plans, you know, to kind of rush these things. I want this to happen now. I want this to happen now. I want to be married now. I don't want to wait and different things like that. And the Lord said, no, he said, no, you're not ready for marriage and you won't have her until you are. So the Lord is protecting me. He is protecting me. He is covering me. He is saying, no, she will not be locked into an abusive relationship with you. I've prayed many years for the, for the Lord to pick for me, you know, my husband. And I think that the Lord is taking you know, take your responsibility for that. He's saying, I have chosen for you. I will prepare him for you. I will prepare her for you because I'm also being prepared in this process. I'm learning how to, you know, be more patient. I'm learning how to be more trusting, more faithful, more understanding, more, you know, just stronger. I'm definitely getting stronger, so much stronger than what I used to be. And I still do have sort of a mindset where it's like, I don't need a guy. I don't need to have a guy have the Lord. Like, if the Lord had called me to be single for the rest of my life, you know, would that, you know, would that cancel certain plans? Or not even plans, but just different, like, ideas I may have had in my life? Yes, possibly. But... I would do that because sometimes a nightmare is believing what you can be trapped into with someone, you know, and I think that the Lord is calling me to face my fears on an entirely different level because I am actually being introduced to every nightmare I've ever had. But I don't want to slander, spend my time slandering or emasculating men. I just want to, you know, be honest about my journey because, you know, this matters when later on the progress is being made. I get to look back and I get to see where I was at any point. Different things I was going through, what was going through my head and how much I have learned. So I see I'm learning so much and I'm growing so much. I'm maturing so much. But I'm still battling different things that, of course, the Lord did point out to me five years ago. I would be battling. 
But still, this is miraculous. These things are these things are happening in like five years. All of this progress being made in like five years is a miracle from God, clearly. But there's still work to be done, you know. And you know, I was told in 2020 on October 31st on Halloween that this would happen when I was 29 years old. I didn't trust that word because it was on Halloween. A lot of witchcraft is done on Halloween, you know. And so I was saying to myself, we're going to see what the Lord says and what he does about the situation. Other details. The fact that I'm a demon hunter. It may be a possibility that this individual who they have been dealing with recently or who they're dealing with now or who they've been with in their past, you know, fights using demons. Like they will put demons on you when you cheat on them. They'll put demons on you when you don't do what they want to do. They'll put demons on you. If you just, just for various different reasons, and me being a demon hunter would combat all of that, of course, because, you know, I call the demons off, you know, I fight demons. And so, you know, this individual hides behind me a lot of times. And I'm learning so much, you know, deep down below the surface, what I find is that a lot of this individual's behavior is reflective of these demons as well as my own. You know, I'm seeing that a lot, you know, when I am searching all that the Lord has revealed, which is obviously his plan the whole time, because it may have looked like or seemed like, oh, we were just supposed to jump right into this. Absolutely not. You know, I can see that the Lord had been protecting me from the jump, you know, with this individual and the encounter that I had in 2020 with this individual said, you can't hide nothing from me. And the Lord, you know, spoke down and spoke over my life and just thunder rained down from the sky the lord just spoke over me you know like she don't belong to you you know and just kind of just making it clear like until you are ready until you are prepared you won't be anywhere near her and i appreciate the lord covering me like that because as i've said this has been like all my fears, you know, a nightmare situation. And I, I understand how it could possibly even be a nightmare situation for them as well concerning a lot of the different things that I have been involved in or I have, you know, participated in and continue to. So I take those things into consideration. I try to. I'm definitely so, so much work has been done. I've definitely transformed from who I was before you know, so it's never the practical situation. Like, it seems like the practicalities matter, but it, it's never that, really. It's really never that. It's so much deeper. It's who you are spiritually. But the Lord knows your heart. You know, he knows, he searches the heart. He knows your heart. He knows who you are deep inside. And if the Lord has spoken over someone despite who they decide to be, even if continuously, I'm going to trust him. You know, and I do the best that I can to do that. You know, lately it's been extremely difficult because maybe it was a conversation about, you know, fraternizing with enemies, etc. And then different things start going downhill as other stuff start happening, you know, kind of teaming up against me, all kinds of stuff like that. But I feel there was a setup. And oftentimes it is. But, you know, you find a root of the problem is Satan. 
not necessarily the individual, but the control that Satan has over them, you know, as well as, my, as well as myself, you know, but I know when I feel the Lord is calling me in different directions and I'm going to choose him first, you know, this situation, you know, sometimes just doesn't even seem reliable, but the Lord is always reliable. He can be counted on. He can be trusted. So I'm going to choose him first. And concerning maybe if the Lord has someone else for me, I'm sure he could do he could do that. You know, the Lord can do that. He can do that. He, you know, he's he's a capable God. He could introduce someone else, of course. But throughout the duration of this situation, these circumstances, like as far as asking the Lord about someone else doesn't seem as if he's introducing someone else you know but also I want to add that it seemed like it was just extremely abusive you know I couldn't even consider someone else as my husband though this individual seemingly wasn't you know wasn't always you know trying to do the work and be prepared for marriage but that being said, you know, I don't want to make it all this individual's fault and seem like I'm re- I'm just flipping all the blame. As I've said, I've had my issues. Like, for one, the Lord had said to me from the jump when he said that I was going to be transformed and I was going to see a version of my, I was, he showed me a version of myself I would one day be. What he had, what he had, you know, pointed out from the jump, you know, where I would be where I am now and what I would face, it would be difficult. And one of those difficulties would have been me and, and my idea or my belief of submission in a relationship. Because growing up, you know, I guess I used to feel like, you know, no man's going to talk to me like this. No man's going to tell me what to do. No man's going to rule over me. I'm not going to submit to any man. I had never seen a healthy relationship, really, or marriage, honestly, except on TV. And it just I just wasn't in, immersed in that kind of environment. So it feels that it was always abusive on my end as well, possibly. But I remember when I was around 15 or 16 years old, the Lord caught me. He caught me. I started to hit my boyfriend. And the Lord caught me. He spoke to me one day. And he said, keep your hands off of him. Don't don't put your hands on this guy, even if he says okay, even if he falls beneath your feet or you have him wrap around your finger, or he worships the ground that you walk on. It doesn't matter. Don't put your hands on him, because see what happens is you start to put your hands on him, you start to get a high out of it, you become abusive, and then you start to think that that's okay. Then moving forward, you're gonna have an issue with being abusive in relationships, and that's not what you want. It won't ever be enough. You will never get high enough off of it. So, you know, that's dangerous. And it's just inconsiderate of the other people, the other individual's feelings. Don't do it. So I stopped. Like, I hit this person, like, three times. The third time was it. That was it. I was like, I'm not putting my hands on him anymore. You know? Though I could. I just saw how I kind of was like, you know in a way hovering over this man, over this individual. 
and I saw it. It just, it was bad. It was bad. And the Lord, he wouldn't have spoken down over my life like that for no reason. You know, I felt it. I thought it was funny. It wasn't funny. He was serious. He caught me right before it became a habit. And he has done that with many things, with idolization, with unforgiveness, with worry, with regrets. You know, the Lord, he speaks all my life. He keeps me. He does keep me. And I'm so grateful. So I do have hope that things work out for me. I am being transformed. And I can one day, you know, operate in a spirit of humility like I've seen myself in my future transformed and different and changed and fulfilled in God I can do that I can be that one day I'm confident that I can now whether or not the individual that's been introduced in this situation particularly of recent will be a part of that future it's just a matter of destiny a matter of time whether you know time will tell matter of God's will whether that is his will for my life or not it's said to be set in stone, but also, as well as it's said to be set in stone, there are different things like discernment that makes me, you know, still consider the different details surrounding it. Like I've said this many times, but the individual after the vision, I've never seen my future shown like that before. And I feel that the Lord may have been introducing the idea that this individual's spiritual gift may consist of future, you know, and seeing future visions, different things of that nature. I don't know. It adds up. When I first got here to Houston, they said, do you believe in fairy tales? And this individual kind of may have introduced the idea that they had seen this. They already known this. They'd already known this. You know, and was waiting. So, it indicates future, knowing the future. As far as me knowing the future, there were different things in my life where it's like different pieces were there, but they weren't adding up. Like pieces of the puzzle had been missing. And I've been asking the Lord about it for years. He said, don't become so obsessed with knowing the future because it's dangerous. And... You know, I looked into it so much, but, you know, I know that that piece or that part of me is there. Like, that's also a spiritual gift that I'm meant to have, you know, something concerning time. Because I asked the Lord about, you know, being able to travel through time and different things like that. So I think that he's maybe introducing that for me. But it sounds like it adds up and it does make sense why the Lord wouldn't give me future because of course, I started to somewhat obsess over it. And I maybe, you know, maybe irresponsible concerning that. Because, like, sometimes I can be very irresponsible concerning future things. Like, I, I would have conversations with people, don't you love the future? Don't you want to know your future? They would be like, I don't know. Because if I knew that I was going to die, I wouldn't want to know how I would die. I wouldn't want to know what day I would die on. I wouldn't want to know things like that. And I would be like, I do. I want to know exactly how I'm going to die, what day I'm going to die on, what hour, what minute, how, you know, where, who, you know, if or who, you know. I want to know. I want to know all of it. I want to know everything. I don't want nothing to be surprised. I want to know every step I'm going to take. 
before I take it and I still want to take that step, you know, it's just interesting to me, you know, and I was obsessed over it. And so obviously I see it feels like the Lord is kind of introducing how irresponsible I am concerning that when you are a little too obsessive over something or you want something too much, you know, maybe the Lord doesn't see that you are responsible enough to have it. You have to be prepared for that. Like if someone is too eager for money, the Lord may not give you money because it may ruin you. If someone is too eager for power, the Lord may not give you power because it may ruin you. If someone is too eager for anything, the Lord may not give you that because it may ruin you. The Bible says when you are faithful with little, then he rewards you with much. So as far as the future, like I can see, I kind of saw like, you know, that me being too eager for that. And I always kind of, in a way, would kind of feel like I would be like that for the rest of my life. Not that I knew what I would be for the rest of my life, but I would just almost feel like, well, I'm never not going to be that obsessive over a future. And this individual, I feel like, has that spiritual gift of future. Like, throughout my day, I hear them calling things out, you know. Oh, it's going to happen in, like, five minutes. In, like, five minutes, she's going to do this. And, like, you know, oh, that's going to happen when she watches this movie, when she watches that movie. And even when I haven't decided what movie I was going to watch and I could have switched or changed any, any to anything, I end up watching it or something like that. And I'm just, like, sometimes I'm falling into it. I'm just kind of just giving into it but other times like no I'm gonna do what I was gonna do you know and it kind of still works itself out which also is like the idea with future with with the future and having that spiritual gift it changes the future changes you know and it feels like this individual has almost even told me that you only really can know a few minutes into the future based off of you know kind of already the decisions that you are making path the direction that you're going in you know, and so I think the Lord has given me time, though, because I've asked for time travel. He's given me time. And with time, it's tricky like that, too. With time, you can go back in time, but, you know, you have to be careful because you, you can't change anything, but you also can't change everything. You know, it's tricky and, like, it's it's kind of tricky like the future. So maybe these things go hand in hand. And that's how they're going to work themselves out and, you know, create this, you know, godly, you know, relationship experience, etc. You know, maybe it's super magical like that. I don't know. I don't want to call it. But what I will say is that it seems that it's like biased. It's different, you know, with a man having these different spiritual gifts doesn't seem as if they face as many obstacles and hindrances as I do with the powers that I've been given by the, by God. In a way, it feels like there's men who feel as if I need to hand it over or give it up to somebody. I can't, you know, have control over these things. I can't truly have or carry this power off of myself. I have to share or something or just hand it over altogether, you know, hand over my destiny. <laughs> and it's like, Absolutely not, because if the Lord didn't see fit for a woman to have a destiny of mine, of my magnitude, of the magnitude that my make my make consists of, then He wouldn't have given me this destiny. It's not meant for anyone else but myself. So I'm facing a lot of obstacles concerning that, but also considering how 
I've never had a desire to be saved. I've never had a desire to be saved. Now, really, it sounds great. You know, who doesn't fantasize sometimes about somebody, you know, catching them when they fall? But me, personally, I like to do the work myself. I want to know that I could have done it on my own, that I didn't need you, you know? So maybe this individual is someone who is accepting of that, or at least more accepting than most men can be. And maybe that's why things may have, to me, under the surface, how things could possibly work themselves out. But I don't know. So, you know, I want to take into consideration what the situation would be like without the demons. Without the demons and the satanic influence. Without these things, could this situation absolutely work, actually work itself out? Maybe. Maybe. But, you know, maybe, like, I think that maybe with me, it's not that I don't have hope for a better future, but maybe I have worries about what the past, the damage that the past may have, you know, done, you know, and maybe going too far, what it can ha- what can happen, but maybe that is the preparation for being strong enough to never be divorced. But this is me entertaining the marriage love conversation, of course. But um, that being said, it doesn't feel like it's going away. It doesn't feel like it's going away. And it's just difficult, like the Lord would have said, harder than it's ever been, but not harder than it will ever be. I specifically recall the Lord saying something of the magnitude that, that motherhood would have been the hardest thing that I will have experienced in my life. This is not the hardest thing I'll ever have to go through. Motherhood will be. And so considering that, maybe the Lord plans to give me a child in the future. And so that also kind of makes me question, you know, circumstances and whether of course this individual really does fit or I fit however that works that being said I never seen a future prophetic vision like the way I seen it when I you know showed up here never in my life have I seen it like that I've seen bits and pieces that were blurry and unsure but kind of Revealing. I've never seen it like that so clear. And I knew that wasn't my power. And I'm like, that's God. I knew it was God. I recognized God in it, but it was just so much more. After I woke up from that vision, I was told, no one can do anything to stop or change this. It's set in stone. I questioned why that was something that was said. Why would anyone do anything to stop or change this? Immediately, I saw different people conspiring. It was revealed that people were conspiring. But I heard my brother. And he said, this is not going the way that they think it's going. And he didn't say it in a jealous way. To be honest, like, maybe I'm not super, a super, super big expert on whether he's, when he's jealous or when he isn't. 
but he just didn't say it in a jealous way. He said it in a protective way. And that being said, I forgot about the vision, and now so many different things are brought into perspective, and it just makes it feel like, you know, use that discernment because different things being brought into perspective now, how things are being set up, the set in stone thing makes sense, so much sense, too much sense. Sometimes I still believe that if it's too good to be true, it probably is. You know, I don't want to. I never truly believe that because I know God is too good to be true, but he is. But, you know, taking into consideration the discernment that needs to be used in this situation, different things have been brought into perspective and concerning different things surrounding these things and what's been going on in the process of this, you know, it feels like the obvious thing that I would do if I wasn't using discernment. It's completely disregard what my brother had said because right before I was told it's set in stone, no one can do anything to stop or change it. So I would automatically see him as someone who was trying to stop or change it, right? But I'd already been suspicious. Ever since I had woken up because the vision stated that I would have given up with my family. And from that moment on, I was kind of suspicious. Like, you know, deep down inside, as much as I want to fight and, and ignore and, you know, deny, I would never give up on my family. <laughs> and it's not funny, but it's like serious. I would never give up my family. I can't think of anything in the world that would make me truly you know, give up on them completely. And then, you know, the feeling that I had in the vision kind of brought things into perspective. Like after what they had done to you, you had no choice. You did everything you could for them. And still call me stupid, but I still never give up on them. It's kind of like instilled in me. I'm kind of just built like that now. And not that it's a lot of unlearned behaviors that I have to change. Change, excuse me. It's not not that it's a lot of, it's not a lot of learned behaviors I have to unlearn. But that just feels like old wisdom that you're not supposed to shake. And if you do, later on in life, you're just going to find it to be true. You know, family is always going to be family. They never go anywhere. And when other people do you bad out here in this world. No matter how bad family is, they're just toughening you up for the world. Because people out here in this world will do you so much worse. And when people out here in this world do you like that, family is all you have. They're all you have. They're all you have to go back to because they're never going anywhere. They're always going to be your family. But then there's a rare situations where family really is the worst. And there's those rare situations where you don't really have any family. But that's not the case for me. And I just spent way too too much time wishing that. So maybe this is a lesson, a very hard lesson. Just like the Lord said, it would be a very difficult lesson on love and loyalty. No matter how difficult or hard it is for you to forgive, forgive. No matter how difficult or hard it is for you to accept, accept. No matter how difficult or hard it is for you to 
you know, love, love instead. And so, if I'm being quite honest, that seems like the not so genius, genius answer. You know, it's it seems like it's not smart. It seems like it's stupid. It seems like it doesn't make sense. It seems like, you know... It seems like a lot of things, like I'm afraid to let go, or I'm afraid of who I could be, or I, you know, running away from the truth, you know, holding on too too long, letting people walk all over me, all this stuff. It seems like a lot of things, but sometimes it just does come down to things being that simple yet that complicated, and that sounds just like God. That sounds just like God. And it didn't sound like Satan at first, but sometimes Satan's like that. He comes dressed up as everything you've ever dreamed of or wished for. But underneath the surface, it's horrible. It's torn apart. It's nothing that you'd ever want. It's horrid. It's it's nightmares. And it takes for you to realize what you've always had and be grateful for it. For you to get out that situation. That's what it feels like. And it's crazy. Because it feels like if it's truly set in stone, it doesn't matter what I'll do, what I do, or what I plan to do, it's going to happen anyways. But if it's truly set in stone, then why does it feel like there's so many efforts to make sure that it happens? But um, there's no telling. Sometimes things are truly set in stone, but there's still so much effort to make sure that it happens. That's why it's set in stone. I don't know. But sometimes, you know, it's not really set in stone. It's not really anything that someone said that it was. It just, you know, is an effort to get you to believe it and get on board with it. Until, of course, you know, it works out how someone planned for it to. I don't know. I don't know because it's difficult. On one hand, the Lord has already spoken to me off of my family. He's already shown me and and exposed to me way before this situation ever arose that my family will never accept me. And in every vision of my future that he's shown me, they are not there. And that is in order for me to ever have peace in life in God. In order for me to dwell in his presence, they can't even, like, they're not even there because they will never have accepted who I want to be in God. So it seems as if they have to go anyways. But then on the other hand, you know, he's spoken over this individual, but they're just like my family. So it feels like they'll never accept me either. They're just another situation that I may have run right into of someone who will have abused my love for the remainder of my life. So, how do you escape the matrix? Like, how do you escape? And I don't know, but I just have to trust God on this because I'm just always talking about the same thing. I want more information. I want things to develop. But it just does come down to these basic realizations and understandings what really is it going to be only time will tell okay so um 
the fact of the matter is, it feels like this is going to be the same conversation. I'm going to be talking about the same things. And I'm going to be reiterating the same information forever until, of course, I do what the Lord has asked me to do. And until I do what he asked me to do, it kind of feels as if I am just, you know, kidding myself. Like I am... Like, I'm playing myself. But I just wanted to speak about a few more things. So, um, considering this individual, it seems as if they are sleeping around with my family members, multiple sister, cousin, etc. But, and that just seemed like, how could you ever get over that? Over that? How could you ever get past that? It's just wrong. But maybe that has something to do with it. There's nothing that anyone can do, you know, or say to ever stop this. It's set in stone that may have a lot to do with why that had to be said. Because maybe these are the efforts, you know. Maybe if we do all that we can do to make you not want him, you won't want him. You'll go in another direction and, you know, we'll stop this. That kind of seems kind of obvious, too. Maybe a, a little bit discernment is used, but kind of seems kind of obvious. But as I said, with my brother, also seemingly involved with a lot of this stuff. Like the way his tone, his demeanor was, yeah, I may be wrong. And I've done a lot of wrong stuff to you. And I took it really far. But I never took it that far, though. Like, that's too far. Like, I can't even let that happen to you. I don't even like you. I probably even hate you. But I'm still not going to let somebody else do that to you because you're my family. His tone. And when he said it's not going the way they think it's going, you know, it's so reflective of his character. He, a lot of times, can be selfish and inconsiderate. And, you know, it seemed like sometimes he hate me or just do not like me and would take it really far. But when it came down to it, like, when it really, really came down to it, like whether we starve or die or, you know, different things like that, like our lives, you know, life or death situations, he did kind of show up. He would show up like as the big brother that he is, you know, and it would just be seemingly rare considered, you know, compared to all the many other times in different other situations or, you know, a lot of into one, you know, but still that's who that's kind of his character if you you only know if you know you really only know if you know and that's why you have to be careful because people don't know you people don't really know you they may not know things that deep into things and it may seem like they know everything it may seem like they got it all figured out it may seem like they got you all figured out it may seem like they they know more than you even know But then it seems like they don't know key details like that. Like, it just doesn't get that deep for them. And I feel like right in that moment is when discernment needs to be used because it's an exposure from the real, from the fake. No matter how much you want the fake, because lies and deception always come dressed up as everything you ever wanted. And it always seems like it's just so easy to give up on something or to go in that direction or to choose this. And then, like, sometimes things are just so old, flimsy, or used to them. Just, you know, 
it just looks like the same old tattered clothing. I want the nice shiny dress, you know? And it seems new, it seems beautiful, and it seems like, why wouldn't I choose that? But sometimes it just comes down to being, you know, using discernment, I guess. And then being who you really are. Being who you are and not giving up on who you truly are. Deep inside. Past everything else. Past all the new experiences. Past everything you learned in the process. Past everything you changed into. Just staying true to who you've been from the jump. Who you're born to be. And it sounds cheesy and it sounds all sentimental. And I've always been this way my whole life. And everybody always have said, you are so sentimental and cheesy and corny. But it's like I just care about things like this but even though I will be this kind of way and care about things like that in like a poetic type manner or whatever still this seems like it's you know even still just as difficult to discern between because when it comes down to it it's really no difference you know it's not that you are better than somebody because certain decisions that you made in your life that you may have made better ones like it's really not, you're really not different from somebody else. You're not better than them. You know, you just made the decisions that you made and went the way you went. And they went the direction that they went. No one's better. We're all equal. We're all human. We all make mistakes. You know, there's always opportunity to learn. Only God is perfect and knows everything. You know, so you're not better. So that's something else a bit that's brought into perspective. It's like, even though I'm choosing the Lord and I wanted to go in that direction, I wanted to be obedient to his word and I'm wanting to be everything he's called me to be. I'm still not better than anybody else out here who wouldn't, who wouldn't do it. It doesn't make me better. It just means that this is what I chose. And of course, God is better, but I'm not. So it brings that into perspective. You know, the idea is that you know, when you can see this future and someone is kind of, you know, exposing all the hurt and pain and messed up stuff you never even knew about or maybe you did know about but you, you know, didn't know or couldn't really deal with or accept, you know, or truly, like, digest, you know, and it's it's been exposed and it hurts you so bad. It just makes you want to walk away and give up that alone before anything else is ever offered or introduced. And then they find their way into some sort of introduction or offer. And it just feels like, you know, it feels like all the right, you know, things to do. But the only discernment or life experience would have been able to save you or keep you from something like that. So... You know, it's just like those situations where it's like, man, I, I know I'm feeling corny bringing this up again, but um, with parents, when you're a teenager, you're like, I want to go to the party. I want to go to the club. I want to hang out with my friends. I want to be popular. And your parents like, no, I don't want you out this at this hour. I don't want you hanging out with these kind of friends. And you just hate them for it. Or you just feel like they're just trying to ruin your life. Or you just feel like they are. they just don't understand. But later on in life, you are so thankful that they kept you out of certain situations, especially when you see where it could have, where you could have ended up, or how things could have gone, or how certain people who was attending those things did end up. 
And it's only because of their love, protection, and life experience and discernment where they're able to keep and protect you from these things. It's kind of like that. And that's how God works, you know. You may not understand a blessing right now. It feels like it's not fair that you're, you know, dealing with the things that you're dealing with or having to have consequences for things other people are getting away with right now. But later on down the line, you're just so thankful that he kept you in that house that day. You're so thankful that he kept you away from that person. You're just so thankful that he kept you out of that situation. You know, because you see somebody else ended up on drugs. Someone else ended up dead. Another person ended up in jail. You know, but you can't, it doesn't always look like it's the immediate right decision to make. Sometimes it's really hard what you have to miss out on. Sometimes it's really difficult, you know, who you can't be at the time, what you can't participate in, but... Later on, it just works out for you. It's just such a blessing. And you couldn't have ever, you know, taken it back years down the line. Whatever decision that you made, you can't take it back. You can't take it back. Whether you decided to drop out of high school later on in life, you realize, man, I should have finished. Or, you know, you decide to go to college later on in life, you realize those financial, the financial aid or the, you know, the student loans, whatever. You know, it really beats you up. You, you you might have even could have done it a different way when your degree doesn't even play a part or come into play when it, concerning your career, whatever it is that you use or do to make money. But it's you can't change it now. Like, it's just something you had to learn and go through. So, well, which one is this? Obviously, it seems like, to me, it feels like it's becoming so obvious. It's becoming so obvious that it's like, you know, the only reason my brother will possibly step in at this point, not the only reason, but the most, it seems not the most obvious, but it seems like the real reason why it seems that like he may be stepping in right now is because he sees that this is something that's like a life sentence type thing. Like, I will probably hurt you for a bunch of years. I will probably do something really bad to you for a long time. But for the rest of your life, like that, I will never let that happen to you, you know, or that's when I got to step in and say enough is enough. Even though it may take, you know, me having to overcome my pride or me, you know, having to look, you know, uncool, whatever. I don't know. Having to admit what I did, something. I don't know. I don't know. That's, I don't know. It sounds like it's messed up. It is messed up, but it kind of feel. Like, it's a blessing in disguise. It's a blessing in disguise. Like, it's God. It's God teaching a very hard lesson about life. God is teaching a very hard lesson about life in order to keep you from learning a harder one. A, a, a much harder one. Like death, which is not even the worst thing that can happen. But like being tortured for the rest of your life is worse than death. So like that. So I have very little to go on. Very, very little to go on. I just have that much, really. So much other stuff, but it doesn't, none of those things are really like confirmed as much as they feel like that is confirmed. To me, it's confirmed. But honestly, I could be—I could go off on a limb and say, as much as that is confirmed, 
a lot of his other stuff could be just as, you know, confirmed as that is. But I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, it's also messed up is that I still have to move forward. Like, I still have to move forward. I have to fight every day. I still have to, you know, pick up the pieces of my life. And I still have to move forward. I have to go on whatever I have to go on. I have to trust God to guide me. And I still have to work these things out in my future. And it's going to be extremely hard every day, every step of the way. And... Like, it's no slack. This is life. It's hard like that. There's just no slack. And considering these things, considering how hard it is and, you know, how hard it will be, you know, it's not like this, you know, considering the plots of the plants. Okay, if I'm going in the direction of believing my brother and my family and sticking to love, sticking to family, sticking to love I've always had and being grateful for what I've always had and trying to see the beauty and appreciating what you've always had and not necessarily being gravitating, gravitating or necessarily um, feeling as if the grass is always greener on the other side or something like that, you know, falling into that, that, you know, cycle of things. If I am picking this side and choosing this and the wisdom, the old wisdom from my parents, my family, from life experience, they've always taught me. No matter how hard your family is on you, it's just a tough thing of how bad the world is. And family not going nowhere, they're always going to be there for you. You know, no matter where you go in life, you always going to have your family to come back to. No matter who give up on you or who abandon you, it's going to be your family at the end of the day that has your back and is there for you. That old wisdom that doesn't feel like it changes, you know. I just feel like every single time they used to tell tell me that growing up, it's not that I always received that with open arms. Like, a lot of times I'd be like, man, you're always saying that. And I really always, a lot of times feel like um, when I get out into this world, I'm more accepted than y'all ever will have accepted me. Like, y'all don't accept me and y'all don't embrace me and y'all don't allow me to reach potential, the potential or explore explore a lot of the potential that I have feels like I will have to go off into this world in order to find that. But I do want to trust you because I know when you say this, you're saying it from the heart. You're saying it because it's this very hard lessons that you had to learn. And it's amazing because these same individuals that will tell you this will also tell you that I didn't listen when my mother told me this. I didn't listen when my father told me this. I didn't listen when my grandmother told me this or my grandfather told me this. My mother told me she didn't listen when her mother taught her this, when her daddy taught her this. And you don't want that cycle to continue. You want to be the one who listened. But it's like, will you? Will you listen, though? Like, will you be the difference? Will you break the cycle? Will you be the one that had listened? And trusted them, or we used to have to learn a hard way like they did, and then later on in life you'd be telling your kids the same thing, or somebody's kids the same thing. Which one is it gonna be? What is it gonna come down to? I've always wanted to be the one that's like, well, I want to be the one who, you know, took heed. I want to have learned from your, you know, experiences, like you said. Like they will also, in the same breath, say. You need to feel blessed. You need to feel lucky. 
that you had somebody telling you this because you know when I was younger I wish that I had somebody telling me some of these things I wish I had somebody to tell me this stuff so I didn't have to go down the roads that I went to went down and I didn't have to learn the hard way like I did you need to listen and you need to you know do what I say so that you don't have to learn the hard way like I did I feel like everybody heard this already and it go on one ear and out the other at this point it's cliche it feel like but you get older later on in life and you realize it was just always so right it was always so right and I'm in this position right now I'm realizing it's just so right and I don't know like where I land on this scale right now like am I listening or, if I'm be, or am I being the same hard-headed individual that they were being? Or maybe I'm being just a little bit, I'm taking just a little bit more heed. Maybe I'm being a little bit more worn. Maybe I'm listening just a little bit more than they did. I don't know. Or maybe I'm just not listening like at all and it just has to happen the way it's going to happen. Regardless, I have to learn the hard way because I just have to see for myself. Just like when we're speaking to God and God tells us not to do something and we say we're going to do it anyways. Because we just got to see for ourselves. Because he's always there guiding us. He's always there telling us, don't do that. Don't go that way. Don't say that. Don't try this. Don't be with them. Don't hang out there. Don't, you know, choose that. Don't, don't say that. I don't know. And oftentimes we're like, well, I'm going to see for myself though. So a lot of times we are being guided, but we, sometimes we're just, we just have to learn our way. But as I've said, discernment is needed. The Lord has given me wisdom and I automatically, you know, count it as wisdom and discernment. But wisdom and discernment are two different things. If they were the same thing, then they would have different names, different definitions. So wisdom isn't always discernment and discernment is always wisdom. So... The Lord said the spirit of wisdom and discernment. He said that about two years ago. But um, when he had given me what I, he, when he asked, when he told me to get asked for anything else, anything in the world I ever wanted. I said wisdom in order to lead and guide your people correctly. I wouldn't be able to do it without you. I wouldn't want to lead these people astray. He said, I'll give you wisdom and everything else your heart desires that you're not asking for. Later on, he said the spirit of wisdom and discernment. So maybe it's wisdom and discernment, you know, grouped up into one. But I know specifically he said wisdom in the Bible. He said, I remind him of Solomon in the Bible. With Solomon, he gave him wisdom. A lot of people do associate it, wisdom and discernment as, you know, a two-for-one deal. But um, I don't know specifically yet. But what I do know as I'm learning, God is very real. He makes good on his promises. And even if you can't heed what your parents have said and the things that they've had to learn and tried to pass on to you so that you don't have to learn that way, even if you cannot heed these things, what you can do is count on God to protect you and keep you in any and everything that you choose to do, whatever direction that you go in. Because it may be really hard and it may be really difficult and it may be, you know, scary. But, you know, you will have God to protect you. So lately, he's had me watching a lot of videos about sex trafficking. 
and kidnapping and abduction. A lot of these same le- lessons seem to be right there in, you know, what went wrong in these situations. Don't talk to strangers. You know, don't hang out in environments alone where you are not, you know, where you don't feel safe. Don't hop in, you know, strangers' cars, you know. Don't trust everybody that you're around like that. You know, cover your drink, different things like that. Stuff, different stuff I had to learn different ways. But, you know, overall, the same basic lesson. Like, family, at the end of the day, is all that you have. You know, of course, outside of God. And you got to be smart. You got to be aware of your surroundings, different things like that. So, with a lot of these girls who end up in these sex trafficking situations... What went wrong a lot of times is that they can't find solitude or peace at home. They run out into this world. And the world is not always so welcoming or loving as your home is. No matter how bad it is or no matter what you're going through. No matter how hard it may get. This world will never be as loving and caring and considerate as home is. As the people at home are. And that seems difficult to say considering how many situations exist in this world where at home might be sometimes the most abusive or unsafe environment you can be in there are a lot of people who live at home with murderers serial killers rapists abusers you know drunks drug addicts etc it seems like in this out in this world they can get better or do better and i just don't know what to say concerning those situations because is it true when you're at home with a serial killer or a rapist or an abuser or a drug addict or or a drunkard someone who you know treats you sometimes you feel like worse than you can be treated on this world are you better off at home like if someone would kill you at home if you could die at home are you better off at home should at that point you you know decide that the world may be a better place for you to be or, or the world still can do you worse. Like, that's something I've really been considering lately because it has gotten that difficult. It has gotten that difficult. When I say they try to kill me, I'm not just being over-exaggeratory or dramatic. They really tried to kill me. Like, my family was in on it and tried to kill me. And maybe it doesn't seem like it's that dramatic or is that serious because I'm still here right now. I'm still alive. So it's like they really were trying to kill you, you'll be dead. But, you know, God kept me and he said it. He said you'd be dead. But I'm keeping you. I'm showing mercy on your life and I'm keeping you. He's all I had at the end of the day. So at that point, is this world a better place for me? Something I've been wondering lately because... I'm thinking maybe it may be time to figure it out. It may be time to figure it out because I can't I can't stay at home like sorrowful and depressed anymore and I can't be somebody that I'm not. I have to be who I am. You know? It's the only way it's not the only way I can get by, but like that's what it comes down to anyways. So, what do I do? You know? I 
it seem and feel so lighthearted right now, but I don't know. Like, and I don't know how accurate or how literal or how how real this vision may have been but I saw I had died like I literally died and my family they didn't even want to carry my gasket only my dad barely carried a corner of my gasket and my younger brother that's it I would have been killed and they wouldn't have cared like they're dead and nobody would have cared like I would have died you know and that just would have been it I saw my body I saw my body was a dead body. And whoever was looking at me through my eyes, they only saw me as a body. That's it. They didn't care whether I lived or died. They didn't care if I was, if it was, you know, blood pumping through my heart. They did not care if it was, you know, air in my lungs. They didn't care if I was alive. I was just a dead body to them. And where's my family in this situation? Where's my family that loves me and would never do me worse than the people out here in this world? Where are they when these things are happening and going on? Like, And it might sound like I'm being dramatic or I'm being a crybaby or a complainer. I'm not. I'm not babied or anything. Like, This is real. But maybe I'm baby considered someone else. Of course, things can always be worse. The Lord always reminds me that things can always be worse. You don't know how bad situations out here. I'm always reminded every single time I want to complain and think about things can always be worse. I think about this video I seen of this baby, this little boy. He wasn't even a baby. He had to be like seven years old, but he was crawled up in a fetal position like a baby. And his stomach protruded from malnutrition. And he sat there crying because he was starving to death. His whole family was starving to death. They sat there crying. While he, while he lay there and started to death, his legs and arms were just the bones. The skeleton, his stomach was swollen because he wasn't eating and they were starving. And this is what it looked like in other countries. I've seen pictures of, you know, babies taking care of babies. Babies carrying dead babies because they've starved to death. You know? It could be worse. It can always be worse. You know, and that's also what's been brought into perspective with this, you know, studying that the Lord has had me doing on sex trafficking, abduction, kidnapping. It can always be worse. It's like situations where girls are kidnapped from their home and they are tortured until they die. Kept alive by drugs, you know, kept kept awake to feel every last second of it while, you know, some creep tortures them, chopping off limb by limb, body part by body part. You know, six situations like that I've always heard of my entire life. And of course, you can never think it cannot be you. And God has always reminded how he has kept me from so many things like that. He's reminded me over the years, different people close to you, they're alive. People that you love that are hanging out And bad environments like trap houses, on corners, around guns, around drugs, they're alive. You're blessed. It could be worse. So every time you think to wonder what you do not have, think about what you do have. So that's something that's being brought into perspective, you know, with this situation. 
And of course, you know, there are different people who believe, like, it's crazy for you not to choose this vision that you've seen of your future with this individual. It's so crazy for you not to choose that, you know? Things could be worse. That's a blessing for you to be even chosen for that or different things like that. But may not, you know, and then on the other end, if you were to choose that situation or you were to go for something like that, these same individuals would be like, you're crazy for choosing that situation. You're crazy for being in a situation like that. You're crazy forever and allowing yourself to be treated that way or, you know, be chosen for something like that. It would never be me. Like, it's always going to be opinions. There's always going to be judgment. There's always going to be people who feel like they know what they're talking about concerning your situation. But only you know what you're going through. Only you know the reason why you made the decisions that you made. Only you know why you are somewhere, why you are in the place that you are in. And that's also something I need to be taken into consideration when I say that they tried to kill me and I'm still here. Like, still around them. Because the Lord has shown me that in order to be my Christ-like, after all I've gone through, after all I've made it through, in order to be more like him, I need to be able to deal with the Judases that sit right up underneath your nose, stealing out the money bag, criticizing the people that you love, that truly love you, that really would miss you when you were gone, when they wouldn't. Just to sell you over for like 30 pieces of shekel, to the very people who have plotted to kill you after they sat with you the entire time and know that you are an innocent, blameless man or woman. Like, the Lord is calling me to be more like him, to be unoffendable, to understand and trust God's will for my life, his plans, destiny on my life. You know, regardless of what it looks like and who's around me and how crazy or stupid I look when I'm standing in these situations when I could be out doing other things. What's stopping me? The door is open. Money comes and goes. You can always get to that. You know, different individuals can always find an environment. You know, that we can't always find an environment, but you may be able to find an environment that's better fitting for you. People take better care of you or more considerate of you. Or you can get ahead. Why aren't I doing things like that? Well, because obviously the Lord has a will for my life and he's showing me down this direction. He's showing me down this path. And in the process, I've learned so much about who I'm truly meant to be versus who I've been. And with that being said, that's what makes it so difficult. That's what's making it so difficult. But I do at, at some point get to a place where I'm saying, you know, it's so many words on what I should be doing, who I should be, or how I should handle things. How it could have been done better. An example of someone and what they did in that situation. How they maybe made better decisions. They could have got a 100% score. I'm over here with barely making it, you know, barely, barely a passing grade. Possibly. But. The fact of the matter is I'm still here. And this is God's destiny for my life. This is how he intends for me to handle these things. And he planned all of this for me. He may want me to make better decisions, but he he knows everything. Anything that's happened right now, he knew what happened before it happened. He knew what happened. He knows what's going to happen. I'm covered for that, too. 
I have to trust that. So even if I do decide to go off into this world and do whatever and be whoever and break free of whatever situation that I may be in, regardless of what it may be risking or what that, you know, means, you know, I can trust that God's plan for that too. You know, I hope that it's the right decision that doesn't lead me into an environment that may be, you know, so much worse than I could have ever dreamed or imagined. I pray that it's not the case. But I have to understand that whatever it is that I do, whatever direction I go on, wherever I end up, the Lord already knew that. And he covered me for that because he loves me no matter who I decide to be. And that goes for anybody. And I hope that my story can be inspirational for someone else. No matter how bad it sounds or how stupid I may look, you know, and somebody or somebody else, you know, maybe listening or maybe have heard have heard about this different situation, the way that I'm doing things, they may think, Oh my gosh, you're so dumb, you could have done this, you could have done that. It's just not smart the way you're doing things. Maybe you feel like you could have done better in my situation. Maybe you're right, but you know, I just still hope that my testimony is inspirational for someone else because the Lord has been moving in my life on a level that, you know, no one could ever understand. Different things I'm experiencing and going through, you know, he may be changing other people's lives moving forward through what he's doing in mine. That's all I've ever really dreamed of kind of like what Martin Luther King Jr. He fought so hard for the civil rights movement and for things to change for black people, but it took for him to lose his life in front of the world to be assassinated on a balcony and die in a hospital and away from home in order for things to actually change or a difference to be actually made. And I'm not saying that I'm prepared to be sacrificed, but the Bible does say, Prepare for persecution because Jesus was persecuted and you will be persecuted in his name. The world hates him, so the world will hate you too in his name. But it's an honor and it's a blessing to be persecuted in Jesus' name than to be persecuted for any other reason in the world. So, I want to talk about, you know, positive things for a minute. I feel like the Lord may have said to me, that I will receive all five crowns of life when I enter heaven, if I enter heaven, because it's still an if, because it's never a when or for sure until you enter those gates, you know? You never know what will happen until the day of judgment. You cannot call it, you can't say, I'm going to heaven, you know, and you just know it, you don't, you don't know it. You know, we're all sinners. No matter how good you are being or how obedient you are, You know, the only way you should be saying I know it is when you're speaking life over your life. When you're saying I know it because each and every single day of my life, I'm going to continue to die die in the flesh and be persecuted like Christ and do everything that I can to enter those gates. But you cannot know that for sure. Like, you just know. Because anything can change. Anything. At any moment. You can change. No matter how sure you are. Things could change. But there are people who I feel like I can really say that I know they're going. But I still don't know. And that's also something I've been taught since childhood. You know, you don't know whether you're going to get into heaven. And so on Judgment Day, he opened those gates for you. That's the only time you'll know for sure. You won't be able to come back and tell nobody. So, you know, 
That's what it is. But, um, of course, there are special circumstances where people have come back from heaven to talk to their loved ones. But, um, that being said, like, you have to take that into, into consideration every day. The Bible says, go in the prayer closet and pray in secret. We are Father, we reward you greatly. You know, those who, who pray long prayers in front of the world on the corners, you know, they have the reward. I don't want to be one of those kind of people, but I also want to testify about my life and the different things I'm going through. It may seem like I'm going on and on and on about these things. And maybe it seems like I'm bragging. I'm not necessarily bragging. I'm not trying to be one of those people who are on the corner praying the long prayers for all the world to see, you know, and I have my reward. No, I don't want to be one of those kind of people. I don't think I ever really have been one of those kind of people. I can't really speak for that, you know. But I just want to share my testimony with others because I know how hard it was. In 2020, the first year of dealing with all of this, I know how hard it was. You know, throughout this process, I was just wishing and begging and praying that I had more information. I had someone who understood what I was going through, who could have helped me through what I was going through in order to motivate me to keep going. Because I truly felt I was going to die. And I could have. And so, this is my effort to put this information out there. Things that I've experienced in order to help somebody else through theirs. Because I had just a few little things to go on. Different, you know, videos I watched, testimonies, people testifying what they've gone through. Just a few little references to go, to go on that were similar to what I was going through to motivate me to keep going to have trust in God and of course it would have worked out the way that the Lord intended anyways but I'm telling you it helped so much for someone's mental for someone's you know spiritual well-being it helps so much for you to get out there testify give me give your testimony you know so someone can use it as a reference when they when they start to go through these different things in the name of God because sometimes it seems so confusing and so deceptive and Satan is counting on their ignorance. And the Lord has been saying like every day for the past two months, my people perish because of lack of knowledge. And then this individual is posting this video about, you know, the assignment that he has me here on. And exactly out of her mouth, she says, my people perish because of lack of knowledge. The Lord has been saying that consistently and constantly. I know so much more he's saying, but it's like, you know, for her to say that, I just, I'm just like, wow, you know. He's screaming. Feels like he's screaming these things at us in order to see a difference made in us. I don't want to give up. I don't think that I'm meant to. But whatever it is that I do, I'm meant to do. I know that. I know that now. You know, yes, some things could have been prevented. Certain things didn't have to happen, but everything happens for a reason. I've learned these lessons. I'm headed in the direction I'm meant to go in, regardless of what's going on around me. And yes, there's going to be a lot of people who do not feel bad for me, who are not in support of me, who are totally against me, and who plan to make me suffer regardless of what I'm going through, regardless of how I feel about it. And what it comes down to is the fact that I still trust God through it all because he's shown me so much, way too much for me to 
forget all about it, you know. I'm doing the best I can, though. You know, I'm only human at the end of the day, and I don't want to slip into this lukewarm mindset or lifestyle. But sometimes I get the feeling that, you know, like, it's like this worse. Some other wisdom that I grew up on was that Satan, he cannot stop your destiny. He doesn't have any power. He cannot do anything to you. He just wants to steal your joy. Satan just wants to steal your joy, so be happy. Do the things that make you happy. You know, be joyful. Throughout this process, I've been so depressed. I've been so sad. I've been so tortured. And it feels like what's almost being brought to perspective, which is not fully brought to perspective yet, because I feel like they don't really want me to know this until they don't, you know, still benefit from still my joy. But um, what's feeling like it's brought into perspective is that everything that the Lord is meant for to happen, every direction he's meant for me to go in, everything that he's meant for me to learn in the process of this, everything that's meant to happen is happening anyway. But in the process, throughout this process, my attitude towards it, the way that I'm dealing with things and how I'm feeling every day is really up to me. That's what can be prevented. My destiny cannot be stopped. But each and every single day when I'm not happy, when I'm unfulfilled, when I'm not joyful, when I'm not at peace, that's what Satan is doing. He's not really doing anything else. He knew from the jump he couldn't stop my destiny. My destiny was predestined before I was formed in my mother's womb. Before this world was created, the Lord knew me. And my destiny was set. Satan always known, had always known from the job, it was nothing that he could do to stop God. That he cannot be God. That he cannot stop your destiny, no matter what he does. He'd always known that. So what does he do in the process? He just makes you suffer. He just does everything that he can to make you question God. To make you doubt what you're going through so he can drag it out and drag it along and torture you and steal your joy in the process. To steal your peace from you because that's all he can do. If right now I can annoy or agitate or make you feel sad or make you question what you're going through for as long as I possibly can in order to torture you, I'm going to do that. But I know that on this day at this hour, you're going to get that anyways. You're going to end up here anyways. This is going to happen either way it goes. I know that, but throughout this process, I'm going to make you question it. I'm going to make you doubt it so I can make you do a lot of things that, you know, you probably wouldn't have done if you knew. So I think that's what God means when he says my people perish because of lack of knowledge. If you had only known, things were going to work out for you no matter what. If you had only known what I know. If you had only believed what I know, what I've told you, you wouldn't have suffered throughout this process. You wouldn't have gone through what you have to go through. You, your joy wouldn't have been stolen. You wouldn't have made those decisions that made things harder for you in certain ways because your destiny is always going to happen no matter what. So I'm trying to take that into consideration every day. And I think I narrowed it down to this fact. I'm young. And I'm going to have to learn. I'm just going to have to learn. No matter how much wisdom I've gotten from older people who've learned this already. Who've told me this many times. 
I'm just going to have to learn. I'm just going to have to grow at the, you know, repetitive process, possibly, you know, hitting a roadblock or going down the wrong path many different times. You know, no matter how many times I have to go through this, no matter how many times I end up down this path, no matter how many times I have to hit my head and get back up or fall and get back up, I'm just going to have to pick up on it and learn how not to do it. Like, it's just going to take time. It's going to take maturity. I just have to grow and learn and become one of those people. You know, I just have to become the person I'm destined to be. Where I'm doing, I'm doing... I'm doing better. I'm just gonna have to um learn. I'm just I'm just figuring it out like I have to get the hang of it. I have to get the hang of it. I gotta pick up on it. That's all. But um But, um, yeah, sometimes I just wonder how long it's going to take, you know, it's all up to me, the progress I'm making, but I just wonder sometimes how long it's going to take. I just want to learn. I want to learn faster. Like in a miracle. Jesus like speed. like, And I don't have to keep suffering. And being tortured by Satan. But it's up to me. I just have to. You know. I'm trying to learn how to remove myself from situations. I'm trying to learn how to. Just. Free my mind. Oftentimes it feels like I'm doing what I have to do, you know, that this is the level that the Lord has called me to. I have to go this way. I have to do it. It has to be this difficult, but it doesn't. It feels like a lot of times people, they have the recipe they have. 
the resolution. They won't give it to me, though. But it's okay because it feels like it's not supposed to be given. It's supposed to be earned. I'm willing to do the work. I don't want to complain about how it feels like I have to do the work many times at work. But... I don't know, the Lord is calling me to a new level. It's difficult. He will say, um, It's difficult. It is difficult, but he will say that I have, you know, received I just have to do the work. He's calling me to another level and it just feels like like I've been here before. I've been here before where it's like I'm questioning whether I really have to do all this, why I really have to go this way, whether it's really is necessary. And I even did say that it's going to come a point where I'm going to have to decide whether it really is or isn't. I'm not quite sure. Because if I'm really meant to go in this direction or I'm really meant to be destined for this anyways, that means that's because it's who I am and I'm not going to let up. Or does that mean that it's going to happen for me no matter what? I don't know, but we'll see.